Welcome back to another episode of Friends from Work, a podcast about all things in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, hosted by me, Robbie Earle, and by my good longtime friend from work, Kyle Sconewell. And we're here today to talk about Miss Marvel Episode 2. How does that make you feel, Kyle? It makes me feel good. I hope everyone out there is enjoying this show as much as I do, and I hope everyone out there is enjoying their summer. Rob, are you having a good summer so far? I am having a good summer so far, and this is a great summer show. It's a great summer show. This is the this is the summer of content. It is the summer of content. I mean, there are so many new, exciting properties that have been released over just the past few weeks, but I don't want to overlook one release from earlier this year that's still just getting a lot of mileage, and that is, of course, Morbius. You know, because it is the oh summer of Morbius still. It's it's still Morbin time, Kyle. <laughs> I still haven't seen it. I need to see it because I'm missing out on all these jokes. We have listeners in our Slack that are literally Photoshopping Jared Leto on every MCU character ever. <laughs> it It's actually... I feel a little bit guilty. We talked about this whenever I saw it, that that we used our, our Alamo movie pass and so tried to not <laughs> actually give extra money to Sony for this. But I still feel guilty now because I think in joining in the fun of the Morbius <laughs> meme craze, I think I have inadvertently contributed to a Morbius sequel being greenlit, which did happen yeah. a few weeks ago. <laughs> Well, and that's the thing is I saw so many Twitter accounts being like, guys, please stop the jokes. Somebody's going to think this is serious and make a second one. And here we are. I need to watch it now because I want to know, is it truly this bad or is it the typical groupthink thing where it's not good, but then it just became fun to join in on the joke? You know, like, is this getting worse than it actually is? Or is it really like the worst movie of the last year? I mean, it's. It's pretty bad. Uh, <laughs> okay. That's from you then. Okay. You know, I mean, I, I think t- like to me, the closest, did you ever see the, the Nick Cage Ghost Rider movies? I have also avoided those. So no. Yeah. It's, it's living in a genre with those, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> Is it's Morbin time in the movie? Where did no, that come from? No, I have no Why idea where that came Morbin? from. But okay. I feel like, I feel like KFC adopting it is really what put it over the top for me. So I hope that it's the tagline for the sequel, at least. Wait, KFC, the restaurant has a campaign with Morbin time. They tweeted about it. Oh my goodness gracious. (laughs) Anyway. Well, like I said, I hope everyone is having a blast wherever you are listening and however you are listening. Thank you for making this podcast a part of your day. Thanks for subscribing to Friends From Work and spreading the word. As we get closer and closer now to Thor and the climax of this show, we would love to stay in touch with you guys. So join Slack on our website, the FFWpodcast.com, and follow us and stay in touch on social media at the FFW Podcast. And that now includes TikTok, like we said a few months ago. And I know we always talk about following us on social media. But I will say over the past few months, I think that we've been utilizing specifically TikTok and Twitter as places to to get initial reactions and reviews out for these things. So if that's something that you're interested in, you know, oftentimes we'll see a show or a movie early and not really have a chance to podcast about it for maybe another week, whereas we can kind of get initial things out online in those forms. So definitely consider checking us out there if that's something that you're into. Yeah. And I'll give one last pitch to Friends From Work Plus, which is our Patreon page. We recently released some fun bonus episodes like best post-credit scenes in the MCU. Robbie and Candace are constantly churning out some amazing comics corner stuff. If my movie club interests you and or episodes like best visuals in the MCU and what are your expectations for the rest of phase four? If things like that sound fun, check out Friends From Work Plus. It's $5 a month and it's on our Patreon page. Okay, Robbie, I think that's about it. Let's get into Miss Marvel episode two.
Yes. Okay, Miss Marvel episode two has largely the same cast, fantastic cast that we discussed last week. One big difference here is that this episode is directed by Mira Minon rather than R.B. and Fala, who directed the premiere and then will also direct the finale. Uh, this one is written by Kate Gritman. And the major addition cast-wise, of course, is Rish Shah as Kamran. I absolutely loved kicking off this episode with the newly found confidence. <laughs> how yes. fun is that? And how funny is that in the school? <laughs> I, I love that intro. I love it as an intro. That's such a great way of capturing a very particular kind of, of teenage experience. And that's right. one of the things I'm I'm growing to love about this show. There's so much synergy between this and Homecoming, but but different. Like, and this has more space to breathe, you know, just by virtue of being a show. Sure. And so I feel like you're getting to live in a little bit more. You don't have the juxtaposition of the Tony Stark around to kind of not pull you out of it, but you know, add the larger than life quality. So it's I'm loving these sorts of things, and it reminded me. And I feel like everybody has moments like these of, of like, I remember the first time I played a big show in high school with my band. And whenever I came to school the next day after doing that, I just felt so cool. Like you have this like, <laughs> this like, oh man, I'm like kind of a celebrity now vibe just right. among your, like your classmates, which like for me, I went to a very small school. So sure. that's not saying much at all. But it was like I was watching that scene and it's just it's funny because nobody else is feeling what you're feeling. Right. Like exactly. they're just going <laughs> just going about their life. But they did such a great job of showing how she is feeling like just the coolest person ever. Right. One time my junior year of high school, I hit a walk-off home run the same day Annika scored a goal for soccer. And we have a newspaper clipping of us both being mentioned in the same article. Oh, incredible. Like the, the sports thing. So we have that saved. But yeah, you walk in the next day feeling like, I just did the most important, cool thing ever. And no one actually knows. Like, there was two <laughs> people there. <laughs> right. But um, yeah, I, that's why I love like how she just immediately burst through the door with like her head flipping back and her hair and... Uh -huh. That scene coupled with the in love scene that you get later on and the whole yes. dance at her house is so perfect, dude. <laughs> like, yeah. It's incredible. Well, and I was going to talk about that later, but since you brought it up now, that might be well, my just favorite it's the scene. Same vibe. Yeah. Yeah. That might be my favorite scene of the whole show so far. The, the one where she's dancing around the house singing. It's just so well done. And that's totally because of Iman Vellani's performance there. Like, she sells it so well. Last week, I talked about the extra pop music that they're working into the show, but it's even more here. The Eastern hip-hop songs that they're working in are jaw-droppingly fun to me and set the tone perfectly for the whole show. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I again, I, I feel like Laura Cartman works well. Like, we've talked about how that's one thing Tyler Bates did well in Guardians is figuring out ways to have a score that that plays naturally with those placements. And I think she's doing that really well too. And there are some bits of music she's written that I think also really contribute to that vibe. I'm shocked they didn't get one of those Bon Jovi songs worked in somewhere. Maybe later. Yeah, <laughs> the, I bet, uh, I New bet Jersey it'll Prince. come in later. <laughs> Although that's gotta yeah, be I've, so expensive to get a Bon it's Jovi It's gotta song. be so expensive, but I want it. You're Marvel. You have billions of dollars. I want it. <laughs> so the first big thing kind of plot-wise here is this montage of Kamala learning her powers alongside Bruno, which I thought was really fun. Again, we get a lot of this kind of fun animation. Um, I think that it's edited really well. It's like the, the way that they are showing high schoolers that are fans of the Avengers, like you always talk about, like working through, like, do you have Ant-Man powers? <laughs> like, are you related to Thor? Like, that's all, that's Another all really Ant -Man fun. Another Ant-Man shout-out. <laughs> I know. Another Ant-Man shout-out, but not just a generic one, a reference to how he looks young. <laughs> which <laughs> I love. He never ages. Yeah, so good. That's Meta Which there. is so self-aware, because there were also those concerns that she looked 
too young, that she was cast too young. Correct. The show is just really smart with that kind of stuff. The one uh-huh. thing here that took me out of it a little bit, slightly, is the scene whenever Bruno has his iPad and he's like, it appears as though your power is actually coming not from the bracelet, but from you. And I'm like, what app is this that you're using <laughs> that helps you analyze the source of her superpowers? That's fair. I never thought about that. Yeah. What? Well, he does develop technology, obviously. Right, right. But it, it just feels like... <laughs> I agree. On a non-review front, though, what do you think that means? I wanted to talk about that. Like... Is he just saying that to encourage her or is that like an inhuman shout out kind of? So I I think it's, no, I mean, the vibe that I'm getting now, and I'm sure this is what a lot of the speculation is going to be after this episode, but that it's a genetic sort of thing. Because I think that's the, the point of the whole backstory that we get about her grandmother and great grandmother. I think that's also tied in some to the end maybe with with Cameron and the reveal of his mother but obviously we won't know that until next week but i think i actually like that choice a lot because like we've said in the comics she is an inhuman so it is like a transformation that happens whereas here we talked about really liking the the fact that it's coming from these bracelets which are like family heirlooms but I didn't want her powers to be reliant on her wearing the bracelet. Like, I didn't want it to be a thing where somebody else can just put on the bracelet and then they have those powers. Like, I like that it's that it's something that's been unlocked within her. She doesn't have to be wearing those to use her powers, is my read. And also, it's still, like, something inherent to her, which means we found a way to to a very similar situation to the one in the comics where it is like a, a power that she has, but I think done sort of more organically and more effectively. I also feel like it's a little bit of a Spider-Man 2 situation here with her actual powers where if she loses concentration or focus, she loses it, right? That's what we're supposed to take away yeah. from this. So she can create these like- sort of thing, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. But I'm actually trying to get to the practical nature of it just so I know for the future, you know? Like, she can create these, like, physically hard platforms that can crumble if she gets distracted, I guess. Yeah, I think that's right. Well, and, But also and, do the stretchy hand thing. Right. And maybe eventually leg thing, which we haven't seen. Yeah. It's interesting because it's all kind of imagination-based. Again, one of the reasons that I'm I'm really happy with the way that they've changed this power set is I just feel like there are so many interesting things that they're going to be able to do visually and story-wise to showcase her powers. And because it's like, as she grows in kind of maturity and understanding her powers are going to kind of grow along with her, like sort of like Wanda in some ways, you know, like where it's like a, it, it'll be interesting to see if there's really an upper limit to that. In the video game, one thing they always kept consistent was even as she learned and realized more of her powers, she still kept that I'm a fan of the Avengers vibe. So when she meets the Avengers in the game, she still is like, oh my gosh, it's Thor. And, And even as she becomes friends with them, she keeps that. And I do hope they keep that consistent here. So power-wise, I don't necessarily see her becoming like the strongest or sure. in the top tier of powers for Avengers. Again, that doesn't make them worse. I kind of hope they just keep that vibe of as she realizes and grows in her own security, she still keeps that sincerity and that genuine fandom of it all, if that makes sense. Right. So we'll see. Yeah, no, I, I think so. And, and that's a, one of the other nice things about this generation coming up that we talked about last week, I feel like everybody is bringing different power sets, but also different power levels. Like if we're looking at Yelena and Kate on the one hand, who are basically just like very, what they do. Right, right. (laughs) Like very skilled, like peak human athletic ability. Right. And then you have like Spider-Man somewhere in there 
and then Miss Marvel, where it's like they have more, like obviously superpowers, but it just feels like neither of them, none of these folks that we have currently been introduced to are threatening to be top tier. It's almost like they have non-enhanced, enhanced in some way, and then like God mode. <laughs> That's basically right. the three tiers. Right. Captain America, Black Panther are enhanced, but I wouldn't say they're God level, you know? Right, right. Like Thor and Wanda. But by the way, Robbie, speaking of that genuine fandom, I'm just going to throw this out there. Like way down the road, years down the road, there could be a fun story with Miss Marvel getting burned by her trust of these people, right? Like maybe right. she meets Wanda and it's not what she thought it would be. Or, or maybe when she finally does <laughs> yeah. meet Marvel, she's been gone and Photon has issues with it. So she's like, right. gosh, you're not the person I want. Like that could be a story down, down the road that I think would I, be interesting. For sure. Well, and, and the second one, I think we're definitely getting on some level in the Marvels. And I'm just so, I'm getting more and more excited for that movie because like we, we love Tayana Paris in WandaVision. I, Loved her in Candyman, um, and have seen her in several things since since Yikes, I was kind of introduced Candyman. to her. <laughs> <laughs> She's great. Uh, that movie is uh, kind of disturbing. N- not something that Annika should watch. But no, uh, I will not be watching great. it either. But uh, but also, yeah. Now with Iman Vellani, and then like all of that coming together with you know we've we've speculated a lot about what we think they could do on the Carol Danvers side and kind of like giving us more backstory there. So it's like, I'm, this movie is like slowly moving up my list of most anticipated projects right now, in part, just because I, I'm so excited to see the next step for all these characters. Although we obviously still have several more episodes to go with Kamala. This is where we need to be in the writer's room because I'm already just sitting here brainstorming. What if Miss Marvel finally meets Captain Marvel and it doesn't live up to her expectations, but for some reason you could write a story where Thor like really takes to her and like takes her under his wing and like she becomes best friends with Thor, for example, or something like that. Like right. I like the idea of that dynamic or even meeting Yelena and you know, Yelena be like nice outfit and she'd be like rude or like, I don't know, just <laughs> I'm excited for that. No, for sure. I am really curious what the relationship with her and Carol will look like in part because I'm sort of over this. I'm, I'm too old for this kind of a thing with Hawkeye and Kate, like for the sure. first chunk of that series. So I don't really want that repeated. Like, I don't want it to be like, Oh, here's Miss Marvel. She's really excited. And here's Carol. She's like rolling her eyes at everything she says. Like I, I kind of want gotcha. a new dynamic if that makes sense, but I don't know what that would be necessarily. Well, we're getting ahead of ourselves, and that's my fault, True. just because I want to talk about this actual show. Sorry. <laughs> There's so many ideas <laughs> well, of what we can I do, do with them in the future. B- but. Before we leave power talk behind, one thing that I was thinking, you know, kind of talking about the, the bracelets and some of the mystery surrounding what they are, did you start to get some Shang-Chi vibes in this episode? I didn't on this watch, but I totally see that. I think we're kind of just waiting for signs of interconnectedness at some point. Agreed? Like, I sure. love the fresh take of casting all the lines. But as we get years away from Endgame, I feel like I'm watching projects looking for those clues. And so I would love that. Like, that'd be a cool twist if somehow the bracelets are also related to the rings or similar origin stories for those things or something. Just in that they they both seem to be kind of mysterious alien tech uh, that are, right. you know, really old. And so I, I don't know. I mean, it could, I, I don't think that it would be weird if they are totally different, but I just wonder since that was made such a, a dangling thread at the end of Shang-Chi, if that is something that's going to start coming together. And what if we got a similar post credit scene here? Maybe Bruce and Carol are like, Hey, what is this thing as well? And maybe they're connected or maybe there's more of them coming. I don't know. Oh, that would be fun. Uh, so the next thing I I wanted to talk about is Kamran, who is, like I said earlier, the big 
new addition to this, that that reveal I thought was also a ton of fun. Like getting back to the animations, like mm-hmm. not just at the school, but like especially the pool scene mm-hmm. and the the way Amon sells that scene is again just incredible. <laughs> the totally, me. and honestly. The way Bruno plays it too, where he constantly keeps yes. interjecting because he's like jealous and also like, what? Who is this new guy? <laughs> this loser? <laughs> right, right. When he's like, I've also seen all the Bollywood movies. They're 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 great. And I watched it a few years ago, and it was it was good. <laughs> it's like what he <laughs> chimes in with. It was pleasing to me, or very pleasing. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was I, very pleasing. <laughs> So you you asked me last week to flag certain scenes that were carried over exactly, and this this one has a bunch again, and that is one that not not Bruno weighing in, but them talking about Pakistani film and kind of relating over that. That comes straight from the issue when Kamran is introduced, which is I think issue thirteen of that original run, so a little bit further from those first few issues. And also the the party scene, we had kind of talked a little bit last week about how that's how Kamala gets her powers in the comic. And instead she got, or she at least kind of showcased those for the first time here at Avengers Con. But they found a way to actually still get those scenes in here because like, like the moment when she takes the drink and she asks if there's alcohol, he says, no, just orange juice. And then after she drinks it, like plus some vodka, like that is a scene straight from that comic and the hmm. actual moment of her seeing Kamran and it looking all like sparkly around him is straight from the comic. Like her being kind of like dumbfounded by how cute she thinks he is. So it's like, they're still pulling so much in so many fresh ways. I love that. And it just brings up the conversation again <laughs> where it's like, How fun is it to know the comics ahead of time? How fun is it to see them kind of recreate the source material shot for shot versus something like the Eternals where it's, they clearly have source material, but they totally go the other direction, you know? Right. And I don't have an answer to that. I just think that's always interesting. Talking to you as a comics person, what your expectation is for the series and then when is it cool slash when does it hurt to have known that stuff? Yeah, well, and to me, this feels like the ideal scenario. Um, not in that I think it needs to be shot for shot and line for line like this. And again, I don't know that I've ever seen an, another Marvel project draw this directly from a comic. But I do, I like it because I never know when these things are going to pop up and in which ways, you know, and so it, it's not like it's ruined anything. Because, like, going into this, like, I didn't know that Kamran was going to to show up in this particular way. And, it, I mean, that's a character we should talk about in terms of his sure. comic roots. Because that's something that we haven't seen show up in the show yet. But that's where it gets to, well, I know, I know who that character is in the comics. And I don't know currently the degree to which they're going to go down the same road or a similar road or a totally different road. And right. so there I think it, it's just kind of fun because it, it just adds another layer of the, the kind of mystery from week to week. Well, and part of it for me, it kind of depends on if you're able to predict it or not. Like if the final twist is exactly the same as the comic, that's probably different than little things like this scene from the pool, for example. Right. But while we're talking about Kamran and his mother, which is the reveal at the end of this episode, mm-hmm. let's talk about this for a second. Did you get a little bit freaked out by that first vision of the mother? Like, I know it's not a horror movie, but Annika and I watched that in the middle of the night on our computer, and that was a little bit creepy for a second. Like, that (laughs) was the first time where I'm like, oh, okay, it's a different vibe for a sec, and I loved it. It, Yeah, I loved it, though, because it was so jarring, like, for the tone, but in a way that was, like— Right. Yeah, it was the right kind of unnerving, I thought. Sure. I'm not saying horror. I'm just saying, like, that was a tone shift for a second there that I thought was really pleasing, as Bruno would say. (laughs) Yeah, I you know, I think that this is another way that I'm so curious to see how the, the change of her power set and the source of her powers winds up impacting the way that the Kamran character functions and, and how that relationship 
looks moving forward because in the comics, he is another Pakistani-American that also became an inhuman at the same time that Kamala did. And so they kind of bond, like I said, like the film scene, like they, they bond in similar ways. And then he winds up showing her his powers, which are, are sort of like in the comics, he, he's called Kaboom. It's like, do you remember Gambit's powers? Did you ever see the, the movie that <laughs> the had Gambit in it? The guy who throws cards around? Yeah, yeah, where it's like you yeah, can basically sure. like make things explode. Like he like transfers energy into things. That's a, okay. an oversimplification. But but okay. I the reason I'm I'm curious about that is like if you Google the character and look at the design, he has kind of this cosmic power looking vibe. Like he turns all blue and ethereal and it's like, very similar to the way that they have visualized her powers. And so given that we find out at the end here that he knows about Kamala and that his mom knows about Kamala, I'm wondering if, one, if he does have powers, and two, if so, if they're going to wind up both somehow being related, like, genetically or or if they have some kind of shared experience with those bracelets or well they must have something like that because when she sees the vision of his mother it's his mother so either they're related which i kind of hope not because she's crushing on him uh star wars style there luke and leia or (laughs) or he's got some artifact that is tied together or something again like maybe they're all tied together or maybe you know i don't know yeah uh but she's seeing his mother for some reason. So it's not just going to be random. Right. It is It is funny if they are related because she's been pretending that he's her cousin. And right. so. By the way, which is another really funny scene with her brother. Right. Right. <laughs> you remember you were looking at stuff on the internet. So you're comron.com. <laughs> <Right>. Yeah, totally. <laughs> the swap from the British to the Pakistani accent. Right. So good. Epic Hero Shop is the destination for all of your nerd merchandise needs. They are constantly developing new nerd merchandise items as these new shows and movies come out. So that includes stuff from Star Wars, Obi-Wan, stuff from Miss Marvel, Doctor Strange, Thor, So they have everything you need when it comes to nerd merch. So go to EpicHeroShop.com. Tell them we sent you by using our promo code FRIENDSFROMWORK, all one word, to save 15% off your first purchase of anything other than their latest obsession line. And I know you're not going to regret it. Robbie and I are current owners of multiple items from them. Our TVA shirts, our Wakanda Claw shirts, our Thor Asgard IPA shirts, all kinds of stuff, all at EpicHeroShop.com. Okay, so final comics reference here, and another one that's kind of in keeping with the way that this show introduces us to her core relationships. That scene in the mosque, whenever she says, oh, you know, it's kind of hard to concentrate when I can't see you, and he says, so glad to have you with us today, Kamala. Like, that, again, is pulled, like, literally straight from the comic. Like, the exact same wording and framing of the shot and everything. And then similarly, not quite to that degree, but the scene whenever Nakia is talking to her about her decision to wear the hijab, like, mm. again, it's it's like these kind of, like, I to, to kind of get back to what you were talking about with the way the comics pull, this is kind of the way that I, the, I think the reason this is ideal is they're taking, like, yes, the powers are different and there was all the controversy around that, but the... But the character, like the DNA of who she is and like where she comes from and and who her friends are, like what her perspective is, like that's all honored so fully in a way that I I think the creators of these comics have to have to feel really proud of and really happy with. Yeah, this is also the most they've ever explored someone's religion, right, in the MCU? Yeah. Which I actually think has been pretty cool. And the 
empowerment of the women there has been pretty cool. So that conversation she does have with Nakia, like you're talking about, not just from the comics front, but also from just the story in the MCU right. was pretty empowering, pretty cool. And then the whole conversation when she's the campaign manager for Nakia outside right. with all the clicks, right. the Illumina- Illuminati's, aunties? That aunties. scene was hilarious. <laughs> but even just the dynamic there, right, of how her uncle – feels like he has to vote for this other guy regardless, you know, the white right. whale. Just stuff like that where it's it's well done and subtle, and I feel like we're going to get a good payoff later. Yeah, you're right. It'll be interesting to see on a different note if we get, like I was thinking the other characters that have really explored like their faith. It's really just Daredevil, which I guess is not technically in the MCU, and I'm curious whether that is as much a focus when he's brought over. But that it, yeah, it is nice, like getting that particular perspective of a character, and then also just like culturally, like beyond sure. the the Kamran stuff, like there's a lot of talk about Pakistan and the partition and the part yeah. everybody having a partition story. Like that's a huge chunk of this episode that is seemingly going to play really heavily into the origin of her powers. Which I'm ashamed to say, I don't know that much about. So I'm going to do some research this week, historically, on what went down there. But also culturally, just the commentary that all the girls have to sit in a different section where they can't really hear or see anything. They obviously don't run for office very often. Like things like that. I think it's well done and interesting to follow up on. That's all. For sure. Shifting gears for a second here, just some other tiny notes that I have to point out. I love mm-hmm. this damage control guy. <laughs> I yeah. I love the way he did the same thing here that he does to Ned, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, are you the, uh, oh, you're the person that actually, it's like, I love the change <laughs> in vibe. I'm enjoying that. I am curious about their role because I feel like it's no longer just an Easter egg. They're kind of making it a thing. Like he tells the other damage control worker that she needs to be sensitive because the FBI is already scouting that area. Right. But what are they doing? Like, why are they not allowed to have enhanced humans? Like damage control was originally set up by Tony Stark to help clean up. It wasn't a like shutting down of people's powers kind of thing. So I'm interested to see where that goes. That's all. But then, I mean, yeah, I think that's so interesting because well, a couple things. One, the Sokovia Accords are technically still in place, right? So, and we need some follow up on that because all of Endgame has happened since then, right? And they didn't obviously go to the panel to ask if they could help fight Thanos. So, I want to hear right. like, what do people like Ross think of what happened, and like, where did they leave us with that? So totally, I right. just think one of these shows needs to follow up on that. Well, I do. Did did we get any mention of the Sokovia Accords in No Way Home? I don't think we did. No, but again, damage control is there shutting down the Stark stuff. Right, right. But in, and I think that's the second thing I was going to say. Some of this probably is is because of the Mysterio stuff, like at the end of Far From Home, where it's like, I think, you know, a lot of the the public-facing Avengers are gone. You know, Thor's gone. Tony and Steve are gone. We don't really know what role Bruce has had since then. Um, but, you know, it's like, are there... Maybe it's going to take a She-Hulk or a Daredevil to help change that public reputation legally. Hmm... <laughs> well, I mean, but that I think that's the the interesting thing about like like bring up Daredevil. I just wonder if we're if we're going in a bit of a different direction here with some of these more like vigilante style heroes. Like we've had these very like no secret identity, essentially public figure type Avengers, right. and now it's like Spider Man, Daredevil, Miss Marvel. These are all characters that have historically for the most part, kept their identities secret. Well, I just brought that up because Matthew Murdoch obviously says to Spider-Man that he's legally okay, but in the court of public opinion, that's a different story. And then I thought, well, could Daredevil legally go to bat for Spider-Man and prove that 
he didn't do anything to Mysterio kind of thing. But yeah, maybe then even Daredevil still couldn't shift that public opinion, which leads to those vigilante thing. Or like you're saying, yeah, do they dial up the Civil War vibe, right? Like are we headed towards, yeah, like Norman Osborn trying to shut right. down all enhanced individuals kind of thing and or that, something. And that's, yeah, that's my third my third point is I Oh, I and this do, is just the first seed of that. Ooh, 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 right. ooh, ooh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I'm that's what I'm thinking because that was a prominent part of No Way Home that doesn't really get followed up on sure. as they get. Like, you know, you have that scene where damage control is very much the focus. And then after Matt says that, that the legal troubles are gone, we don't really return to that there until now. And so I there are several stories that they could be pulling bits and pieces from in the comics. Like there is a there is a Civil War II comic, which is not great. Uh, but the reason I think about that here is because it does heavily involve a younger generation of heroes, including Kamala. And it, yeah. I thought about this earlier, too, because part of it is, like, in, in that comic, Captain Marvel and Tony are fighting. Tony's always in it, although he kind of flips sides this time. But it's the it's, like, kind of what you were getting at she and the other like younger heroes like Miles are kind of disgusted with the the civil war aspect of it that like the heroes can't just like get along that their egos are so in the way that they can't see the forest from the trees and so it's this kind of like they decide to just basically walk away and do their own thing and i wonder if that's something that could come into play but then there's also this outlawed story that's been going in more, more recent years where it's like in, within the Marvel Comics universe, like minors that have enhanced abilities are basically not allowed to operate um, outside of like governmental jurisdiction. And it focuses on the fact that they're just not of age yet. I'm personally feeling like we're onto something here. Because at this point, the damage control stuff is not just an Easter egg, right? Like this feels like an intentional start of something. Yeah. Otherwise I just don't think they would include it again. I, I think we're onto something. And I think they're setting that up. It, well, and I, th I think, yeah, the, the final event I was going to reference there is the one we've been talking about for years now, which is the potential for the dark rain, dark Avengers thing, because I, I mean, that's clearly, that's one of those things where the, the, the players are being assembled in some form or another for that kind of a thing. Like there are so many, like the John Walkers and white visions of the world that are just kind of out there with seemingly like no other, other place to go other than something like that. So no like doubt. I do think- Val assembling them. Right, yep. right, exactly. And so, yeah, you do wonder if like, because that that turned into in the comics, Norman Osborn, who I think could like we could get Val basically in that role here, kind of leading these manhunts to try to take down the Tony Starks, like people that are out there that are operating without his without his permission or outside of like his jurisdiction. And like I just wonder if that all comes back to yes, the Sokovia Accords are still in place. Yeah, we look we we were okay with the the battle against Thanos because that was an exception, but also, hey, look at what happened in Westview. Like also, hey, maybe Miss mm -hmm. Marvel does have some issues like because she's she like here like with the scene we're about to talk about, you know, she's not she's not qualified to be playing hero necessarily, right? Like she almost gets that kid killed and I I'm saying more from like the perspective mm -hmm. of folks that are kind of you know, rooting for these kinds of failures. Like, I just wonder if it is opening up the door to a whole new, uh, a whole new world. <laughs> exactly. Don't you exactly. dare close your eyes. I don't want to get into something we can't get into right now, but that's starting to feel a whole lot like the X-Men storyline, the mutants versus humans thing and being freaked out about that. 
do we get some version of that here where it's not mutants, it's these superheroes? O- or is that how they start working in some mutants via mm. the plot of these superheroes feeling like they don't fit anymore or are being oppressed or whatever? Anyways, let's not get into that. But that's just what right. I was thinking as you were talking about some of those things. Oh, yeah. I I will say as, as kind of my final prediction thoughts, I don't do this that often. I want to give us a little pat on the back just because if this is the case, there are two things that you and I have been kind of speculating about and kind of quasi-predicting since like 2020, well before any of the Phase 4 projects released. And those were one that that we were heading towards like a, a multiversal Secret Wars type thing. And two, that we were heading towards some kind of like Dark Avengers, Dark Reign type thing. And I'm just saying... Like now, yeah. everyone's talking about that stuff. And I'm not saying that we were the only <laughs> people that, that thought about it. But like I was listening back to a to an old episode of ours a couple of weeks ago that I was telling you about, which we put out like well before the WandaVision premiere even. And I heard us talking about this stuff and I was like, holy cow, we've been on this for, <laughs> for a while. The pat on the back feels great. Thank you. Feels nice. You're welcome. Just for you. Um, speaking of the Spider-Man parallels, I just couldn't help but think about Night Monkey when she comes up with Nightlight. Right. <laughs> it's the exact same vibe where she doesn't really know, but she's trying to lie and overcompensate for some other reason. And then the same kind of reaction from Iman when she hears it. <laughs> I thought that was a funny little bit. And then, you know, we've talked a lot about CGI in the Phase 4 stuff. And... One thing I want to point out here that I'm just so grateful for, and and maybe I'm not trained enough to know this one way or the other, but here, one thing I really noticed is when she's climbing on that building at the end and the people are down on the street, it might be CGI and I could be wrong, but it looks so natural. It looks mm-hmm. like New Jersey to me. Like maybe they actually did film it in a city downtown and I would love to know if they did because it looks so much better to me than, here we go, like in Doctor Strange, when they go on the rooftop in New York, to me that is clearly a set of a roof with all CGI buildings in the background. And it always kind of slightly bothers me. And I feel like, I could be wrong, this show is maybe showing me an example of what I want. Like, this actually looks like they went to a place in New Jersey and shot it. Right. This downtown scene, I mean. No, I had the same thought, actually. There were a couple times. I I also thought whenever— And you know when she's running across the rooftops at the end and running away? Like, Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure those are actual rooftops. Not that she's actually jumping across, but I mean, like, that they filmed. I I thought that the—I thought the scene where she's, like, they're kind of recreating the Clint letting Natasha go— scene, you know, and then she just like falls down a foot. I thought that looked really good. Yeah. And that again, maybe they're CGIing it. So if they're CGIing it, then props because they're getting better, which is amazing. And if they're actually using practical effects and shooting it on a downtown rooftop, even more props because it looks great. Right. Totally agree. Yeah. I just, I just wanted to say the pacing of this show, I've found to be incredible so far. Like the That's something we talked about with Severance. And I think that here it's just they're giving us just the right amount. Like, again, we're only two episodes in. There's still room for for kind of a side mission-y detour episode. I'm not saying that can't happen. But right now, the way that they're giving us, they're they're planting seeds. They're showing us just enough to keep us invested. Like, we're getting good kind of, like, this was a great cliffhanger, I thought, the end of this episode. The, the way her powers are progressing, the, the mysteries around the bracelet. I just feel like that's one thing that we have criticized some Disney Plus shows for in the past. And I think a lot of people have, just fairly or not, have said that, that these feel like they either should have been just one two-hour movie or like an eight-episode series. It's hard for us to gauge that till we get to the end, but but this one, like j- just this whole finale sequence, I kept thinking that. Like I like that she has a a sort of hero moment that doesn't actually go well, 
ultimately. Yeah. She's not fully there yet. In right. Episode two. Yeah. yeah it, and and I also thought that scene was just funny. Like the whole, I know it's silly, but the ice cream pizza bit actually made me laugh. Well, especially with the memes, which those are the two details I wanted to point out. I love the integration of of the social media stuff in today's day and age and what that would look like. Right. Um, and I love how that last scene raises the stakes a little bit, but still really, really low, right? Like it's still one person hanging on the side of a roof, which obviously I don't want that kid to die. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying compared to the galaxy ending, it's, it's a, it's a perfect step up regarding stakes without it ever getting out of control at all. It's like, her powers and where she's at matches those stakes just right. Yeah, that's so true. Like, I, I think... Let, like, pause for one second, Robbie. Imagine if this episode, she, let's say, had to stop a train that was crashing right. full of people. Right? right. Like, that would you would still buy it, and you'd be like, that's cool. But wouldn't you a little bit be like, wow, she went from not knowing anything and being able to stand on one platform to stopping a train. That's what I right. mean, like... I love the gap in the stakes that they chose to like, like the leap they took was big enough to feel it, but small enough that it's not even close to out of control. 100%. Yeah. That's such a good call. That's such a good point from you because this is not me criticizing Spider-Man homecoming at all, because I think that that's still one of my favorite Marvel movies period. But that is one thing where it's like, you think of the, the moments that Spider-Man's having, he's, like saving a whole ferry full of people. He's like saving a group of people in the Washington Monument. Like it's always very big scale, even though that movie is like in some ways one of the more smaller scale Marvel projects. And again, I think they do that in part because he has to be doing things that are big enough to be on like Tony's radar. And right, because so they show him like helping the lady with her cat and stuff. And Right, right. And they do that. doing it for him. Yeah, yeah. Right. Right, they do that stuff well, and I think that plays into the story really well. So that's why I'm saying I'm not, I don't think Homecoming should have been done any differently, but I do like the progression here. Like, I like that she's not just like, okay, yeah, now I'm going to go out and, and just be a hero. She's not, like, patrolling necessarily. She's, like, it's going from saving this this girl with her hand to now having to save this kid that's dangling off. It just feels like a really natural progression. Yeah, the way you put it is is exactly right. It's a stakes thing. And, and I think it goes back to what we were praising this for in episode one, which is I cared so much then if she got caught by her parents and if she disappointed her dad and like that stuff that we were talking about where like the beauty of the show is I just genuinely care so much about Kamala now that yes, I care whether this kid fall, falls and gets hurt or dies, but I also care about the way that that would impact her. And I kind of feel what she's feeling there and that like we've lived in her kind of smaller scale, like just normal life vibe enough to where it is like really jarring, like to where it's like we don't have to have like an alien attack going on to suddenly feel like there's some drama because it's like it feels like if, you know, I were sitting here and I saw somebody like about to fall off their roof. <laughs> Where it's like, yeah, that's enough drama for me personally. <laughs> like, it, there doesn't have to be sure. a spaceship around. I just, it, it's hard to put your finger on how they've been able to nail that. But I just think that that is something that's that's setting this project apart just from the outset. And I'm absolutely fascinated to see that progression. I want to see where they take the stakes in this series, but then also for her as a character, eventually, you know, five years down the road. Is she going to be involved in massive things? I'm just fascinated right. to see that progression. Right. This is probably another let's freaking go for me. I had chills a few times watching this. I laughed out loud and nothing pulls me out of this. However, I'm just going to say this because it bothers my brain. I need to change the scale at some point, I think, just because I don't like giving this many out, even though this is another one. <laughs> I... I'm so OCD about this stuff that I actually rank every golf course I've ever played, for example, on a decimal scale of one to 10. And the best golf course I've ever played is a 9.4. And I like that scale better because then my brain's like, there's a chance that there's always something out there that's a little bit better. <laughs> 
But if I give everything a let's freaking go, then I can't give anything above. I just need to change my mindset because it's turning more into like how you give your Uber driver five stars. I like basically like the assumption is it's going to be five stars and you only work down if you don't like something, you know, that's the scale we're on right, right now. So this is another let's freaking go because there's no problem with it. And I freaking love it. Yeah, no, I see, I see your point. Like we need to, we need to normalize that. Like that's fair or let's go is like the starting average point. Like that's where you're at. But the problem is if we did that, people would be like, Oh my gosh, you didn't like it. <laughs> that's the problem with the scale. Well, yeah. But again, like I said, last time we gave, we, we liked every episode of moon Knight, and we gave, we only gave two of them. Let's freaking goes. So I think that I, I think we've, you know, we'll see how this <laughs> progresses, but I think we've also just been, we've been lucky to have had a really good run. Uh, recently. Since we did it. Yeah. It's just the OCD part of me. It's really small. No, I, I totally get it. I think that it, I, for, I, I'm, I'm with you. Like this would be, it would just be hard for me to give this less than a let's freaking go. I can maybe go, give it a minus just because of the, you know, Bruno's crazy <laughs> iPad superhero tech. Um, but that's the only thing that even like slightly brought me out of it. But again, it's just like, I, I, you know, I compare this to a lot of the things, like there are, there are several projects from last year, whether we're talking about episodes or a movie that I think would have gotten let's go or, or below in some cases, um, and so, you know, that's still a possibility here. I hope not. I would love to always give out Let's Freaking Goes. That's true. That's true. Maybe that's the difference in our mindsets a little bit <laughs> on it. <laughs> uh, what did you guys think? Did we miss any major details? We would love to hear from you. And let's just keep this thing going. We're going to be back next week with Miss Marvel episode three and just more, 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 more FFW plus more Thor talk, more Miss Marvel. It's going to be so much fun. Thank you guys so much for listening. We love you all. And we'll see you next time on friends from work. <laughs>